When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. Study. We are in episode 52 of Exodus, God's Great Rescue, and today we're going to look at Sabbath laws. Uh, you think uh, one of the one of the commandments is is uh, honor or uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, part of the Sabbath laws are very strange, and we're going to look at that today. So let's just start reading um, in Exodus chapter 23, beginning in verse 10. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not do work so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that your slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. So basically, um, this is, remember the Sabbath day, and obviously, this, God created the earth in six days, and then he rested on the seventh, and that was setting an example how human beings need rest. Now, why do human beings? We, we talked about this when we studied that commandment, but just to briefly overview, the reason why we need rest is because we have to train ourselves to make sure that we put into our lives an amount of rest because the human nature is always wanting more and more and more and more. We get addicted to more. Same thing was true back thousands of years ago. People were addicted to more. So God tells us that we need times of rest and to build that into our schedule. There's nothing wrong with building rest into your schedule. There's nothing wrong with building um, income. Uh, I mean, set your expenses and your costs such that your income is greater than your costs by an amount. I mean, all of these things are possible and they should be done. That, that's, that's how um, we should order our life. We should order our life in such a way that the, we have margin. Maybe that's the best way to put it. We, we order our life so there's margin. Margin with our time, margin with our family, margin with our finances, margin with our sleep, margin with all these different things. We have to be, we have to order and structure our life so that there is margin. Um, I think people who don't think about ordering and structuring their life so that there's margin run around from thing to thing to thing so that there um, there is no margin. And so then when some event happens and something goes haywire, uh, they don't have the margin to deal with it or to accommodate it. And so this is when people get sick. This is when people don't get sleep. This is when people get stressed out. We are creatures who have a tendency to, um, to worry and get stressed out, and that worry and stress then causes physical damage in our lives, stress too much stress in your life can cause physical damage. And God knows this. And so he puts commandments in front of us such that we create margin in our life. And that this is one of the things that you're supposed to sow your field and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the, lie, the land lie fallow. So um, 
Basically, in order to do that, you have to create structures and margins in your life so that you can do that. Same thing with the Sabbath day. The only way that you can take off a Sabbath day is if you create margin on the other six days so that you can take off a Sabbath day. And this, uh, this, um, it doesn't mean, I don't think that it means that you, like God understands that every once in a while things arise in your life where you have to, um, well, let me look at Martin Luther. Martin Luther spent uh, two or three hours a day in prayer. But if you read some of his writings, you'll find out that there were some weeks or some days in his life where he had, um, the, the, there were just so many things filling the calendar, he wasn't able to, um, to, to actually get that time back. Um, and he talked about that. But he also talked about a day that was so busy that he couldn't afford not to spend time in prayer. So he would even make sure that he spent time in prayer so that he was able to order his day. But as we all know, that you just are, you're going to have a week where there is just so many things that seem to arise at that week that, um, that you, if you don't have the margin in your life, it can cause you all sorts of problems. So um, this isn't just for your personal body, right? This is for your, your harvest, your crops your food, um, your vineyards, your olive groves. So what would this be for us today? Because we live in a society <laughs> where you're available 24-7 through Twitter, through email, through all these things. Like how do you, if you're a professional working uh, in a job where perhaps you're the manager of a, of a you know department or you're the leader of an organization with a lot of people and you have to be accessible to those people 24-7. How do you build this kind of margin in your life? And that is, a, that is something that I think our world is going to have to struggle with because we do know that there are people that have those types of positions. Uh, one of the things that I've seen a lot of people in these positions do is that they get a gym membership and they... They basically, they go and they work out and they spend time kind of away from the phone because when apparently when you're working out, you, I've never been to a gym in my life, so I don't know. But you put the phone away, you put all this stuff away, and then you work out. Maybe that's why gyms are so attractive to some people is because they, they, they get that period of time where they're, where they're able to get away from everybody. And those are things that we should, we should work into our schedule, those times, so that we have a way from all the electronics, all the email, all that, and just build that time into the schedule. Um, when Jennifer and I had kids at home, we had a sacred time, which was dinner time every day of the week. Um, that was our family time together. So no matter what happened during the morning, during the afternoon, we would always spend at least that dinner time together. And then you know we'd go off our separate ways sometimes after dinner. Sometimes we'd stay home. Uh, but oftentimes we'd, we'd go off our separate ways. And so uh, you do have to build these structures in your life and you have to be intentional about it. It just doesn't happen um, naturally. That's, that's the whole point of God here is that you have to do these things. And it's not just for you, but it's for your slaves, the foreigners in your land. Um, so that's, that's what God's talking about here. And then in verse 13, be careful to do everything that I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. So God also says, 
only one God, me. That's it. Just me. And uh, whenever you talk about gods, don't talk about other gods. Just talk about me. I am everything to you. Have no other gods before me. So that's that's what that is. All right, let's get into some festivals. Verse 14, Exodus chapter 23. Three times a year, you're to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at an appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. Um, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. So that this is the first, it's called the, the Festival of, of, of Unleavened Bread, and they did celebrate this, still celebrate this, right? We still do. It's the celebration of the Passover, celebration of the Unleavened Bread. Seven days eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Um, this is a time of rest. God also wants us to celebrate, to enjoy life. Life is meant to celebrate. There are times in life when we should celebrate. So for me, uh, worship on Sunday morning is a, a part of worship on Sunday morning is a celebration. Uh, it's just a celebration of everything God did for me in the week. It's a time where I put everything away and I focus on God and I think about his great blessings and mercy in my life. And so that's, this for me is very, very handy. Um, verse 16, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruit of the crops you sow in your field. And again, this would typically happen at harvest time, which would be what, in the fall about now. Um, and you would, you would bring your crops in, you would give the first fruit of your crops to God, and then you would apportion your crops and keep the rest of it and, you know, create grains and granaries and vats and batteries and all these sort of things. But also just celebrate the harvest. Just celebrate that God gave you his goodness. And then the other th festival is celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Um, this is, uh, where am I? Uh, this is uh, um, another time when we're supposed to celebrate. And God wants us to celebrate. Just celebrate the goodness of God. Don't. Psychologists even today will tell you if you do not give thanks for uh, the things in your life, you will be a very dark, miserable, angry, bitter person because you're always focused on you and your, your needs and you're never giving thanks for the great blessings of which we all have many in our life. So God even wrote in these commandments, in the application of the Ten Commandments that he's doing with the case law that he's doing with Moses. All right, three times a year, celebrate, just celebrate. And uh, I think we as a humans love to celebrate. Now, obviously, celebrations take time. They take planning. They take preparation. You can't just celebrate. Another uh, opportunity to celebrate is a wedding. And obviously, weddings take time to plan and to celebrate, to plan. I, I'm sure you've been to weddings before. I have two of my children were married um, and uh they each spent time planning for those for those marriages. And so that's, and it often takes about nine months to a year to plan for a marriage and to prepare for it, to make sure you get the venue and the food and the, all the different things put together to make it a great celebration. Um, you know, there's a financial cost to weddings, so you've got to kind of come up with that cost and apportion that. But you know that by doing that, you're creating a ceremony, you're creating a time of celebration for the community around you, uh, which is just awesome. And I think um, 
the the whole what is interesting is that people that go to weddings typically I, I I shouldn't say this because I don't know when I go to a wedding I I don't care how much food is there and how I mean the things that I look for for a wedding are people enjoying themselves having a good time is it just a great time of celebration that's how I would view a wedding is it was it just great fun and so uh, I for me a good wedding would be one that maybe there was a barbecue or um, you know just simple plain wedding where that that that's not a lot of fluff to me is much um, more fun and much more enjoyable than something that's very formal and very expensive um, uh, but that that's just me I, I would I would much rather have uh, more celebration and less pomp and circumstances than more pomp and circumstances and less celebration but um, it's it's tough because brides today they're competing against other brides they're comp- what they're competing against I think is I think there are shows on TV that have um, that show you what a uh, you know what a what an expensive wedding looks like and they they show these and these these are what brides see and that's what they want because it's shown on TV they're always comparing themselves to what they see on TV or what their other friends have done that sort of thing but I am waiting for the day where I go to a wedding and it's just a hoedown you know <laughs> just a uh, just a just you know simple foods simple simple getting together and just having a lot of fun that to me would be the best wedding of all weddings. All right, because um, we need celebration. We absolutely need celebration. Now let's go to seventeen. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me, along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offering must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits to your soil to the house of your Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Uh, this is this isn't necessarily a celebration thing. This is don't cook a goat in its mother's milk. Um, now that's kind of getting into the purity laws a little bit, like how you prepare food, which foods to eat, uh, those sort of things. Um, and it don't let fat uh, for my festivals be kept until morning. In other words, eat it all. Just get it all rid rid of. Don't don't save it for tomorrow. Um, tomorrow will be another day. There'll be another festival in another time. Just get it all eaten. Don't have any leftovers. Um, bring the best of your fruit, first fruits. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why he says don't cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Um, that's just kind of interesting. Uh, but there must be something there about that um, that maybe uh, was a problem at that time. I don't know. Um but this is, this is definitely one of the purity laws that we have. All right, so that ends kind of that section about the festivals and the enjoying, you know, taking time off, enjoying life. Um, I, think, I think we as humans have a tendency to get so bogged down in the, in the pains and struggles of life that we never stop and just rejoice in what God's given us, the, the blessings that he's given us. I think that uh, an example of this at this time of year is when you're, you know, the the rain comes, 
and it brings that freshness of the desert here in the Arizona desert. And if you go outside, you can hear birds. You can, you can, there's kind of a silence because of the air pressure is still very heavy. Uh, there's that, that wafting smell of the creosote and the other, um, and other smells out there. And it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, another thing that uh, I enjoy to do is whenever it's a full moon to go outside and watch that moon rise and just enjoy God's creation at the at the at the night of a full moon. Sometimes it's a morning of a full moon. There's just there are times in life where it is good to just stop and pause and to reflect upon the goodness of God and to party, to enjoy, to celebrate. Um now, how much of this actually happens on a Sunday morning? I think all of these actually happen on Sunday morning, right? Uh, uh, all these festivals, you could be a festival on love and bread, that would be Holy Communion, Festival of Harvest, where you give back to God, uh, celebrate a festival of ingathering, um, probably also happens on a Sunday morning. So all three of these, like everyone says... Uh, that heaven is uh, that that uh, worship on Sunday morning is like a foretaste of heaven, and um, and it gives us just a glimpse of how wonderful heaven's going to be. And I personally love Sunday morning worship. Uh, it fills my soul like nothing else does. Uh, it it uh, it helps me to get through the week. It it's fills up my bucket, so I have energy and spiritual energy throughout the week. And I do a lot of other things throughout the week to fill my spiritual bucket. But there's nothing like gathering with other Christians and worshiping God and praising Him and learning from His Word. There's just something about the Sunday morning experience that is wonderful. That um, I and it, I can't describe it. I really I don't know why it is. When I was in seminary, uh, they had worship every day. I, every time there was worship, I did everything I could to get to the worship service because there's just something about it that that gives gives me strength. Even though a lot of uh, other things to do to try to give you strength, uh, meditation or uh, uh, you know working out uh, might be something like that. But for me, the number one thing that I find just gives me. Uh, strength of the week is worshiping. Um, and we're created that way. I believe that's God created us that way. All right, let's see. Should we get into the next section? Um, yeah, why not? Why not? This is interesting. Uh, verse 23, or chapter 23, verse 20. See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you to bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. So there's this angel that he's going to send, and God's like, follow the angel. Uh, do not rebel against him. Um, 
but my name is in him. And if you listen carefully to what he says, I will do what I will say. You will go into the promised land. You will conquer all the enemies. I will be with you. I will help you be fertile. I will help you be grow. You will be my people. I will be your God and life will be good. So even back then, there's this angel that God sends to prepare the way um, and to help get them to the promised land. Now, it does take 40 years to get to the promised land. There's, um, it is not just a slam dunk. There's a lot of work that they have to do to get to the promised land. And um, the good news is that they've got this angel that goes with them and that they will be fertile and God will continue to love them and they will eventually get there. It's kind of like us, right? We know we're getting to the promised land, which is heaven for us, right? But until we get there, there's a lot of journey, there's a lot of struggle, uh, but his angel is with us, his Holy Spirit is with us and we can get to the promised land because he's already won the war and he's with us in all the battles, but we will get there. And that's something to celebrate also. Um, uh, yeah, I could talk about one more thing, but I think we're going to end it there. Uh, it is a wet, moist day out there. So be careful. Watch out for the, oh, my flying termites are gone. So that's good. Um, they went back into their hidey hole. Um, let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, uh, for the beauty and the blessing of your creation in this day, we thank you. Until we meet again, keep us ever in your grace. In Jesus' name, 